Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hitler Day. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers. Kevin, how you doing? Doing very good. How about yourself? Not bad. Uh, and I'm about to do even better because we're going to talk about Duck Soccer, my my favorite of the Oregon sports team. Uh, they uh, went down to Los Angeles last week. Uh, uh, or at least you wrote about them going down to Los Angeles last week. Uh, they took on a USC and UCLA. Uh, they, they, I mean, they killed them, right? I mean, just absolutely throttled the LA schools, right? I, I would love to be able to tell you how badly we beat the LA schools because they're Um, ranked teams, right? USC is ranked number 15, UCLA is ranked number five. So, correct, taking down a pair of top 25 schools would be like the the perfect feather in in the cap to rest on for this season unfortunately that is not actually how it went down hmm. um, the the soccer team in uh, in true Oregon soccer fashion ended up losing both of those games hmm. and neither one was particularly pretty oh i see uh i mean there are some silver linings first of all USC, the number 15 team in the country, mm-hmm. only beat Oregon three to zero. Right? Like, I mean, if Oregon, like, I guess I'll put it this way. I don't actually think that Oregon is like this horrendously terrible soccer team. I think they are consistently worse than a uh, a league that's very good at soccer. I think that they have like no offense. Um because I mean, of course they don't. They're like a super duper young team. I think. What do we determine that they're like the sixth youngest team in America? Uh, third, third youngest third, team in America. Yeah. Um, you know, it's absolutely. You know, the the fact that that you know, like it wasn't seven to zero. You know, I actually think that that you know, when I read these things, I'm just sort of like, yeah, three to zero, and like, and and, and the like what they, they didn't score their first goal until a penalty kick in the 24th minute, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, the, you know, and we actually went on the attack first, which was something new. Um, you know, we, we, we went on the offensive right out of the gate. You know, we were, we were driving, we had the first shot on goal of the entire match, which I, I haven't seen a lot of from this team. Um, but they went on the attack. They, Unfortunately, we're unable to to complete it and, and come away with any points. Um, 
but I, I think the, the struggles in this particular game against USC, we, we had trouble clearing our own net. Mm. We <laughs> just like couldn't, couldn't get it out from the shadow even. Yeah. We, we gave them too many opportunities uh, too close together. Um, but we did stay after it. I mean, we had, we had a couple shots late in the game, you know, to, to put points on the board. And I think it, it comes again. You have the opportunity to put points on the board. Yeah, we did have the opportunity to actually do any, but (laughs) no, uh, unfortunately, but we're still taking those long range shots, Mm -hmm. um, for, you know, top of the box, just try and try and launch something. And, and that's something we need to work on. We need to get a little bit better communication on the, on the uh, offensive side. We've had pretty good communication on the defensive side. Um, but they need to line up their shots. They need to use la- attack lanes better than they have been. You know, it's it's kind of like it, it reminds me a lot of you know high school soccer where the ball just kind of goes bouncing down the field. Someone runs down and kicks it towards the goal, um, mm. and you can't you can't do that in college and expect to be successful. Um, so, you know, honestly, I think maybe the best news that I got from reading your article um, is that Maddie Goldberg was back in the net. Um, I, I honestly, it wasn't the, I wasn't really sure why she wasn't playing in uh, the, the, in the previous games. Um, but, you know, I, I think she's a pretty damn good goaltender. And, uh, uh, yeah, she's back. In, in fact, uh, you know, there's a nice clip in your article, you know, for making a pretty, pretty amazing save. Um, uh, did you get any like hint? Was there any like discussion during the broadcast of like, you know, what, what was up? And it seemed to me like they were just giving each keeper a half, you know, trying mm-hmm. to see. They they talked previously about there's there's a competition ongoing at defense. Um, you know, Maddie is on the younger is younger. Not that Leah's <laughs> the whole squad's young, so I don't think you can point mm-hmm. to that in any way. Um, but you know, against uh, I think it, I want to say it was against USC. Maddie got the start, and Leah Parsons came in, in the second half, and then they repeated that hmm. against UCLA. Um, so not like an injury or she's no. playing rugby or anything like that. No, just okay. just a trade, you know. Um we it kind of reminded me of a a two QB system. It's like, well, you know, hmm. this person had their half, now we're going to give the other person a half and see how it goes. Well, so. honestly, just the news that she's not injured is making me happy. Um the uh and then UCLA, uh you know, the 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 number 5 team undefeated, you know. I think they've had like what one draw or something like that, you know, in the entire season, uh, one loss, one loss. Oh yeah. yeah it's win loss. Draw. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, 11, one and oh, um, uh, you know, they take them on at home. They lose four to zero. Uh, okay. They, 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 when was UCLA's first goal? <clears throat> Sorry. Um, I believe it was like in, the 16th minute in the 16th Oregon goes 16 whole minutes yeah. without UCLA and, finding the back of the net. Yeah. And then right, you know, eight minutes later they had another one. Um, and then, it, you know, it was, 
that we had opportunities and that's that's the thing is we did have opportunities to score put points on the board which you know you talk about moral victories you're playing the top five team in the nation and you're in position to score i mean um a johnny wrist pass had a shot um but hit a defender you know mm-hmm. I can't say it would have it would have been good, but it definitely would have been a shot on goal. But just clipped a defender on its way in and bounced out. Um, so you know maybe you lean on that moral victory. And here here's one thing that I did put in the article: Oregon has had the toughest schedule in the Pac-12 and the eleventh most difficult schedule in the nation. Mm. So well, yeah, they're. I mean, they play in the Pac-12 and they can't play themselves. So yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, you know, yes, we are, we are not doing well. Um, I think we've finished, uh, we're at oh and 11 and two at the end of that weekend mm-hmm. um, before heading to the Arizona schools. And uh, it, it's been tough sledding. Yes. But you, you know, no one has really had it harder than yeah. our, than our soccer team. But I mean, you put a clip in your article of Leah making a great save too, you know, for her half of the game. Uh, you know, against UCLA, you know, top five team in the country. And, you know, she, there she is looking heroic, you know, you know m- making a great save. So it's like, hey, man, you know, I know that Oregon, you know, lost these two games by combined seven to zero. Like they are taking shots on goal like constantly, like like the amount of shots on goal that they are taking, you know, between these two goaltenders, like but and the quality of opponents that they're, you know, playing you know, would probably predict like they should be losing like a, by a combined like 12 to zero, you know, like, it, it, like, I, honestly, like I, I know it might sound like a, a little like, Oh, you're, you're straining to find something to talk about, or maybe I am, but like for, you know, a team that's lost 11 games. Uh, but like, honestly, the amount of time that the ball is spending on Oregon side of the field, uh, in the, the amount of shots on goal and just the fact that like the, you know, the offense cannot hang onto the ball like at all, like they, they have not one, but it looks like two, you know, pretty good goaltenders. They can keep them fresh, you know, by, by rotating them. And like, you know, they're not getting killed. Like, in other words, like, I, I guess I'll put it this way. The, the, I think the defense is probably good enough to keep them in, you know, any game, like literally any game. Like if you can, if you can, if your defense is good enough to keep you within, you know, competitive, you know, range with UCLA, that means that your defense is good enough to keep you with competitive range with any team in the country, right? Because if the offense, what I'm saying is if they ever discover an offense, right? That, that first of all, UCLA is just not getting a million shots, you know, on goal, which means they're not going to score four. You know, they're probably going to score, you know, more like two or three. Uh, and it's like, yeah, okay, Oregon gets an offense. You know, they're suddenly they're competitive because the, probably what this means. I know, you know, yes, they just lost four to zero. They probably have a pretty damn good defense. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, five saves for Maddie, four for Leah. There, and it's there doesn't seem like there's a drop off from one to the other, from my observations. Um, they, but they are, like you said, both taking a ton of shots, and they're putting themselves in position to defend. But you know, 
law yeah, eventually <laughs> yeah exactly eventually you know it's going to break down like it's just inevitable you know with that many shots but you know what i'm saying is first of all there'd be a hell of a lot fewer shots if oregon had an offense uh and, and second of all like even if it was exactly the same like you know, g- giving up that many goals, that's not insurmountable if you have an offense, you know, like, uh, uh, right? Like, uh, in other words, like, this team is, like, half complete. Right? I agree. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, there is a, there is a lack of offensive production. And it's not a lack of attack. They've gone on the attack. It's just, they're they're not finishing, you know, runs on the goal. They're not sure. taking clean shots. I mean, I'm not saying like, you know, anybody's going to snap their fingers and this team's like suddenly going to have an offense, you know, but what I am saying is that like the, the idea that this team is just like flat, nothing, you know, that it's, you know, 0.0, you know, on the mat, just like nothing garbage from wall to wall, like, nope. Like I I actually think this looks like, you know, the defense just from just run down with the statistics and, and what this team would be if it were, you know, you know, flat, like it, it, that that doesn't add up, you know, what it, what it adds up to is that it's probably actually a pretty damn good defense with just like no offense. Uh, And if they ever got an offense, they, they probably be cooking, you know, Uh, they're, they're like half done building this team, you know, now, easier said than done building the half that they need to to build. I don't know when, if ever they'll build that, but like, uh, I mean, it's, it's not nothing. It's, it's half of, of something. It's half of something pretty good. Like, Mm -hmm. so yeah. Well, and also, you know, again, UCLA, UCLA top five team in the nation, they're averaging three scores a game. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and three <laughs> scores a game against teams that have a offense, like yeah. something, you know, right? You know that. So, so that yeah, exactly. You know, the the, the fact that that's how. I mean, that's the that's the benefit of playing. You know, teams that are this good when you're an eleven loss team, is that like okay, you know. I know we're not going to win this game, but we can at least see, you know, how well we're performing. Like, well, you know, that's the day that you got. Like, you, 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 like you, you knew what the outcome was going to be. The question is, like, what what data can you gather? And you know, I think you can gather, you know, that information about what the status of the team is, and you know, that that's what the shape of the the, the problem is. All right, let's take a break. When we come back. Uh, we will talk about cross country. Sounds good. So uh, the cross country team is back from uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, where they competed in the pre-nationals. Uh, you also wrote up um, their their performance in a couple of other matches that took place in September uh, that we somehow missed covering uh, back when they happened. Um, why don't you catch us up? Uh, they started out uh, in the beginning of September going uh, um, uh, up the road to uh, uh, Linfield. Uh, uh, how'd they do? <laughs> Amazing, actually. We had a a one two four finish from the women. Damn. Um, so yeah, just came out storming. And on the men's side, we actually had another winner, Elliot Cook, uh, first place, and a fourth place finish from Kudavin Stevens. So both squads 
just came out of the gate, just running right over everybody. Um, excellent. Uh, the uh, let's see, it was a, I think it was a, is an all northwest affair at Linfield, right? Uh, uh it was Oregon, yeah. Oregon State, uh, Portland, Portland State, and uh, and then Seattle came across the river. Um, I think there were a few others as well, a few other smaller schools. Um, yeah, but Oregon took second place in both the men's and the women's, right? Correct, yeah. Um, and then uh, they went over to the uh, uh, the Bill Dellinger Invitational. Um, uh, uh, In my hometown of Springfield, Oregon. Springfield, Oregon. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, across the way, they managed to survive. Um, uh, <laughs> how'd that go? Uh, another strong finish uh, for the men. Quincy Norman came in second place. Elliot Cook finished seventh. Um, and for the women, Maddie Elmore, seventh place, and Izzy Thornton Bott came in at ninth. Uh, and then Anika Thompson was actually just uh, a few seconds behind her in 11th. So strong finishes by both teams again. Um, I think they ended up, if I'm if I remember correctly, second for the women and second for the men. Yeah. Uh, yeah. More so, consistent. you know, <laughs> yeah, strong finish as well. It's, you know, it's interesting in, in both of them, both of the competitions, Oregon is, is second in both the w men's and the women's, but you know, when you compare, you know, the men's, and the like it, there, it's completely different. It's like a completely different slate of schools for the women and the men and the one like consistent, you know, team that's on both of them is Oregon, you know, like, uh, you know, so that, that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, I, 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 I dug seeing that. And so I was really interested to see, you know, how would the men and the women perform at pre-nationals, uh, in Virginia. And then you, then you told me something bizarre. Yeah. I couldn't find any results for the men's pre-nationals. Um, I, I was really confused and, mm. uh, I, you know, I, I had the women's results, but, uh, no men's results. I, yeah, I don't get it, man. So, is there like a separate men's pre-nationals, or do men just uh, automatically qualify? Is it we've discovered rampant sexism in the cross country? Oh come on, <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's the case. But uh, you know, it was it's on their schedule, um, but I no results. So either the the team didn't fly out, or I just cannot access any results from the from the uh, meet. Well, it can't possibly be the case that we have incompetent investigation at the uh, addicted to quack. That can't be it. Um, well, how'd the ladies do? Uh, again, ladies came storming out. Um, Maddie Elmore, again, uh, just kind of leading the charge. She came in second for the women, and then Izzy Thorntonbot was in at 14th. Um, then there's kind of a, a drop and then a, a whole bunch of finishers, but, you know, consistent top five finishes well claudia kosmerska uh came in 26th uh you know not bad correct um, uh, and then katie clute was back at 38 ellen nelson 39 those are the top five finishers for the ducks um and i don't you know i i actually had to learn about cross-country scoring because i did not run cross-country uh mm -hmm. i was a hurdler and a pole vaulter so i had to learn that you know the first five finishes are is your scoring right so, uh, and in the team, in the team challenge, uh, Oregon came in fourth. 
Uh, yeah, and pre nationals is interesting. You know, it's not really a regional competition. It's you know, it was everywhere. You know, um, and it, uh, you know, the the team that came in uh, uh, tops was BYU, which Oregon had competed against. Um, they were at the Bill Dellinger. Um, um, but you know, the other teams in the top five were, uh, you know, Arkansas, Virginia, and Tennessee, um, you know, so, you know, pretty strong East coast presence, uh, you know, and then ducks representing the West coast, um, uh, you know, a pretty strong performance. Um, the, uh, and the other thing that's interesting that I got from your article is that the distances are, are, are somewhat different. You know, the, um, the, the, at the Linfield, the women were running a 4k, the men were running a 6k and then the Dillinger, um, it, it, the women were running a 6k and the men were running an 8k. Uh, and then here, you know, in Virginia, it was the women again, were running a 6k. Did, did you pick up on, you know, what's the, uh, you know, when I was running cross country in high school, it was just 5k across the board, uh, you know, for everybody. Did you pick up any, uh, you know, reason what's up with that? I think it has to do with course. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that they, they plot their courses to be a certain level of challenge. And sometimes, you know, if there's a lot more just level easy running, um, they'll run a little bit longer course. And sometimes if there's more ups and downs, they'll, they'll shorten the course. It's just been, that was my observation. There's probably some, some grander scheme of things. Um, but I know that they time them at all the at all the different splits, and I believe that how they place in those in those splits influences certain things as well. But I, was, I'm not the expert on uh, cross country scoring, as I mentioned. Uh, it was, you know, pretty interesting. Well, per- perhaps you'll become more expert by the time we have to cover something else, which is the Pac-12 championships, um, which are. Um, uh, uh, gonna be it's interestingly enough, the Pac 12 championships are not going to be taking place at a Pac 12 school, they will be in actually, uh, I, I believe it's uh, it, it, it's Pacific Lutheran, I think, um, um, like a, across the way, you know, I think it's in Tacoma, um, or a little like technical enclave of Tacoma, um, uh, uh, uh yeah, but anyway, um. Uh, you know, the only team I've seen represented in any of these competitions is Oregon State uh, uh, from the Pac-12. So I don't know. I mean, you know, I think the Ducks have a pretty good shot here. Um, uh, that's uh, taking place on the 27th. We will endeavor to cover it at Addicted to Quack because that is our mission. If you put on the green and yellow, we're going to cover you. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see how they do. Uh, all right. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will uh, uh, we'll talk about Wazoo football. So I have uh, completed my film study on Wazoo football. I had actually caught up on almost all of their film during the bye week, but I, I got one more game, which was Arizona, uh, which was <laughs> crazy blowout. Uh, the 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 Wildcats beat them uh, forty four to six. And, and lest you think this was one of those like weirdo Pacific Northwest team goes down to the desert uh, type of games. Uh, first of all, Wazoo is like the one team that's kind of like immune to that for some reason. And second of all, like not what happened. That game was in Pullman. Um, uh, yeah, this uh, uh, Wazoo's been a weird team like they they started the year like totally gangbusters. Like they came out of the gate and just throttled Colorado state. Um, they, uh, they, um, 
and then in week two, uh, they beat Wisconsin again. Um, they, they had last year, they, they went to Madison and beat them. Um, and then, you know, they beat Wisconsin again this year. Um, uh, uh, week three, they had an FCS game. They killed their FCS opponent. Uh, week four in the pack two championship against Oregon state, <laughs> uh, you know, they, they, they killed Oregon state. They killed them hard enough that they, you know, the game went into garbage time and, you know, I, I stopped keeping track of the game at, at, at some point in the, I don't know, the third quarter or so I could look it up. Um, and, uh, uh, so like, you know, they were really, you know, through, through the first, uh, four, you know, four weeks of competition, it was like, oh man, uh, you know, Coog's looking really good here. Uh, then they get a buy, you know, you know, these, one of these early buys in like week five. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, then they come out and they play UCLA. Um, uh, UCLA, it's actually, I don't know what people are remembering about the game. The game winds up 17 to 25. So like technically a one score game. Cause you know, eight, eight points, you can get a two point conversion, tie it up and it goes down to the wire. I mean, like literally the last possession, you know, is imp- like basically the game ends, you know, Wazoo has the last meaningful snap. It's a fourth and one. It's a quarterback keeper and just cam word can't, uh, can't convert it so you know ucla gets it and I, I think they just kneel it out or they have like a it's a meaningless possession but like effectively not being able to convert that fourth and one ends the game but it's basically the end of the game it goes to the to, to the wire and the funny thing is you know because as i mentioned you know they had the buy they had an fcs game they put the colorado state game into garbage time they put the oregon state game into garbage time like through that th- the end of that, that that but then that so there's like i i like that wasn't a whole lot of snaps, you know, like the, the, and then the Wisconsin game, because like Wisconsin kind of runs the ball a lot. Like, um, they, they, like it was sort of, is a bit of a low possession or, you know, low snap count, uh, game. So like, I actually didn't have that many sna- and then they had to buy. I didn't have that many snaps on, on Wazoo, all things considered. Um, cause of course I exclude the FCS game. Um, and then the UCLA game was like, I was just like bonkers number of snaps, like, uh, cause, cause it went down to the wire. Um, uh, I mean, I, boy, I, 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 let's see if I have the numbers. It's on worth noting that yep. UCLA did score 13 points in the fourth quarter to come back and win that game. Yo, yeah. That's the other thing is people sort of, I, I think, you know, talking to some people, you know, they sort of get the, well, I think I know why it's it like, 154 154 meaningful snaps in that game which was like almost i mean it was like a it's a huge amount of the sample um is that ucla game and and it's like look there are times watching that game where it looks like ucla is absolutely murdering wazoo um and it's because ucla's uh, like they, 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 they are effectively just like walking through, uh, Wazoo's offensive line with like three pass rushers. And I mean, it's like comical, like, I mean, just like, I mean, it's, it's like the, their offensive line is like not even trying to block. It's like, like they were getting, I mean, I'm about to make a joke. This is not serious. It was like somebody paid off the offensive line to just like stand there. 
um like i like i had there, there were there were kook fans who like i know and like who you know i i i i talked to on twitter who were like seriously suggesting that like the fact that it was 90 degrees on the field was like that's it that's that's what's going on they all have heat stroke and they're about to pass out from the heat because this is the only logical explanation um uh so uh anyway uh, but here's the thing though, is UCLA's offense also sucks. Like, <laughs> um, and, uh, oh boy, th this gets complicated. So like, yeah, that's why. So, so basically UCLA is just walking through Wazoo's offensive line, but, but also occasionally, you know, Wazoo is pulling off these big plays to the point where like Wazoo spends most of the game with the lead in a like low scoring game. Um, and then like, and then Dante Moore throws a pick six. Cause of course he does like he throws a pick six in every conference game. Um, so like Wazoo's in the lead for most of this game and UCLA, like finally scores some points, you know, to end it. And, and Wazoo just like can't score anything. So the game's over. Um, but there were also five, what, six turnovers in this game. Oh yeah. No, oh, that's Four two interceptions let me, team and fumble yeah sorry go let, ahead. Let, me, let me finish the narrative and then i'll go back um i've already been hung up too long in this game the so so but then anyway so that occupies a huge amount of and i'm sort of like uh wazoo they started out looking like a playoff team and then they had this ucla game that was crazy but also like it was just crazy on one side of the ball the other side of the ball they were really shutting down ucla but maybe ucla's offense is just atrocious actually i'm really certain that he's his offense is atrocious so like well let's see how they do against arizona arizona murders them you know 44 to 6 you know it's like oh boy so this you know it's like it's like crazy they go from like they blow out colorado state to they are you know getting blown out um and and so you know it's like the the, the amazing morphing you know kooks so you know i i'm sitting down doing film study on them and i'm you know trying to you know let, let's solve this puzzle and i ultimately feel and, and like th this is what my article is about is about solving the puzzle um which i i, I genuinely do find fascinating um I, I mean, like, I don't, I'm not really in the, like, let's make predictions, you know, uh, a business, but I, 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 I sort of, but I mean, like anybody can look at the Las Vegas line and, uh, and see what, you know, all of the, 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 the smart people with very big skyscrapers in the desert think what the outcome of this game is going to be. And, you know, who am I to question that? Um, I'd certainly, uh, you know, ultimately, my my conclusion doesn't come you know too too far off from that. It doesn't change the fact that it's a like it's a fascinating puzzle to me, um, and, and like and 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 actually, I, I found writing this article and doing the research and contemplating you know what could be the solutions to this and talking to Jamie Vinnick, um, who's our new friend from Kook Fan. Um, uh, uh uh on the podcast like uh to be fascinating and interesting and and worthwhile and fun like i i actually deeply enjoyed doing this um and, and even if oregon does squash wazoo like a bug which I, i'm not necessarily saying they're going to there are definitely aspects of this team that are dangerous and there are definitely 
I definitely believe for reasons that are explained in full and in depth in my article and which I'll sort of touch on in this podcast, I think there are ways that Wazoo sort of was beating themselves in the last two games and that that always sort of makes me anxious as a film reviewer and an Oregon fan because any team that's like beating themselves last week they they could just like decide not to right like they could just decide to to just be the scary team again um whereas if you know the thing that always makes me happy when i'm watching film is like oh this team is just like totally talentless and uh and, and you know that they can't they can't do anything about it because you can't get a talent infusion in the middle of the year right you know like the, there's nothing about this team that can change by the time they play oregon well wazoo some of their problems not all not even most but some of their problems are problems that they could just decide to stop having and their Oregon has this real nasty problem of running into teams that just decide to stop having the problems that they were having last week. So, mm, yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's, you know, for look at for years, you know, uh, Washington state was one of those teams that was always a couple wins away from, from that top, you know, tier of the pack 12, but they routinely, beat teams that they had no business beating and Oregon was on the receiving end of several of those. So let me, okay. I'll start with one just to get it out of the way because it's the least complicated, easiest to solve. I'm very confident in this one. Hey, don't worry. Um, And that is Wazoo's rush defense. Wazoo's rush defense is bad. (laughs) And, And is ultimately like the probably the biggest reason to just to to be. I'm not saying that anyone should ever be confident about a Ducks game, right? You know, panic. Panic is the watchword. Um, but like, if all else goes wrong, Oregon can probably just run the ball and sort of shut the game down. Um, because Wazoo's rush defense is real bad. It's they're under forty percent um in in rush defense meaning they are allowing opponents to run at about a 60 percent clip um the the, that effect is persistent in the the only game in which the the opponent is not uh uh you know way above water is colorado state but like that's that 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 is first of all Colorado said is an atrocious offense and second of all that's because uh, by dint of winning like two more runs like it's it's nothing man like it's a and I can describe it qualitatively like the the interior of the defensive line was in real trouble over the summer they got a couple of late fixes but it's still kind of like undermanned that they, they really uh, uh, regarding their defense that the other big problem that they have like really big problem is their line backers this is kind of a story um so 
I'll see if I can briefly tell the whole story. So for like six straight years from like, um, like 2017 through 2021, something like that. Uh, uh, they had this like three, this trio of, uh, linebackers. They only play two at a time, but like they had one, they could rotate. Um, and they all came in at the same time and they all left at the same time, but they were just like the only linebackers they played. And frankly, they weren't very good good but like at least by the time they were grad students you know they were fairly experienced um but the thing is because they were there forever they were sort of like sitting on top of the backups and we had like no idea if the backups were any good or not and so when they left at the end of the 2021 season they they, they had a couple of backups uh tavion brown and francisco mangoa um, who I was like, well, I've never seen these guys before. They've never seen the field before. They probably, and they're, it's Wazoo recruits who are all like two stars or whatever. So they probably suck. Oh, and they also got this transfer from Nevada. Who's a two star named Diane Henley. And like his stats at Nevada weren't very good. Uh, and you know, so he probably sucks too. Well, guess what? In 2022, those three linebackers were all really good. Um, really good for Wazoo. Diane Henley winds up getting drafted in the third round by the Chargers. Um, and then Mygoa and Brown get poached the transfer portal. Uh, uh, Mygoa gets drafted or poached by uh, Miami. And uh, Brown, I think, is at Arizona State. Um, so it's like, you know, I, I blew it in my 2022 preview because I was like, uh, in my, my summer preview, because I was like, well, they're, these linebackers are going to suck. And then they were great. But then, like, they go right back to sucking again because they lost those. They, they, it's like they had good linebackers for one year. <laughs> and then and then poor Cougs, they're all gone. And, and it's actually now the situation that they're in is, like, worse even than... It's worse than I thought they would be in 2022. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> and it's worse than like when they had, like when I was saying they had those like three grad students who were like, weren't very good, but at least they were, you know, experienced by the time they were grad students. Well, these guys are worse than those guys and they're totally inexperienced. So it's like, oh my God, they're or actually one of them is experienced. He's played at like three different schools, but like he's played at three different schools. You should <clears throat> read something into that. Um, and uh, I'm just, I'm sorry. They're, they're just, they're not good. And um, like, I'm, I'm not going to tell you their names because I, I, I don't want to be mean to them, but like, cause I really go after them hard in this article. Um, but like, they're just, they're not good. Um, well, and here's and a question for you to, to kind of interrupt the the flow a little yeah, bit. Go ahead, please. What what is Washington's base defense? Because you, you mentioned. Oh, I, only I played... should tell you. I it's a uh, it's I'm I Jake Dickert's been there since 2020. And I've been writing about it for so long. It didn't even occur to me that I should explain this. Um, shit, I should put that in my article. You Thanks should. for telling me, man. Um, they run a a four two five defense. Um, and in fact, interestingly, they are always in a four two five defense. They never change their configuration. Well, there's a tiny number of, of very rare exceptions, like it's it inches to go on the goal line. They might put in a third linebacker or something like that. But like, <laughs> um, but, but with, you know, like 0.1 percent exception, 
always in a four two five. They have no substitution rules. Um, so two and like the the four down front is exactly what you think it is. It's two interior linemen, two edge players. It's two inside linebackers. Then they're always in a nickel. Um, always, always the structure is the same. They're almost always in cover two. Um, uh, the nickel will, and then uh, the only thing that sort of varies at all is where the nickel plays. The nickel will switch between being like a third like a box safety, like a third inside linebacker versus, you know, being in coverage, but because they're almost always in cover two, like um, they wind up depending on how you line up your, your wide receiver configuration, you can make it so that Wazoo will like be forced to play a linebacker out on a slot wide receiver, which like UCLA discovered and just destroyed them on. Um, it took <laughs> it, it took Chip Kelly forever to figure that out, which is one of the many reasons why I think that Chip Kelly is like really fucking up this year. Um, but like when he eventually did, it was the reason why they finally put some points on the board and beat Wazoo. Um, and then Arizona just exploited it to hell. Um, but but uh, yes, uh, thank you for that. Thank well, you for that, I, I wanted to bring it up because, you know, you talk about their defensive success rate, um, you know, their rush defense, which is atrocious and their pass defense, which is good against le- lesser quarterbacks. Well, yeah. OK, I'm going to talk about that in a second, but I just wanted to finish up by saying in the rush defense. So sort of like the 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 overlay problem is that their linebackers suck, which makes you suck against everything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what type of run you're running. The linebackers have to tackle it. The linebackers can't tackle means select whatever run play you want. You're you, you get another two yards because the linebackers can't tackle. But then well. the other like <laughs> structural problem that they have is or it's sort of like it's a it's a double edged sword for Wazoo, which is the defensive front. They they pick a direction and they start running. And they're actually because they're sort of this has been true of Wazoo for like a decade because they're so small and so light and so fast, they actually have sort of a speed advantage on you. And so if you're running like a wide zone, like a lateral play, like a a stretch play or something like that, they'll actually beat you. They're actually, their success rates on, on like, like if you start running left and the play is actually designed to go left and you're running at a steep angle to the left, they'll beat you to the left and they'll they'll run faster than your offensive lineman can run and they'll get there before the back is there and they'll tackle the back for like a tackle for loss like don't try to do that against wazoo it is the one play that they have like they're positive against uh you know in in terms of success rate and they have been for years like remember in 2018 when Oregon went up to the Palouse and Mario Cristobal dumbass Mario Cristobal he kept (laughs) trying to run those stretch runs against Wazoo's defense it was like why isn't this working it was like basic physics dumbass like yeah pull it pull it one time and just yeah yeah anyway however that's the one edge of the sword. The other edge of the sword is this, that if you cut back, right, you've destroyed them because the whole point is that, you know, if you look like you start running to the left, they're all going to start running to the left. Then your running back puts his foot in the ground and cuts back to the middle or to the right. Uh Uh-oh. The entire yeah. defense is just all flown to the left, and now there's nobody. So you you know, and, and also this works 
right left i just picked left, yeah right. oh no i understand you can mirror it you um, also have to consider the the fact that bucky irving and jordan james are two which of is the hardest no, running backs exactly. to bring down but also have, that's a huge amount of oregon's playbook is doing exactly that so it's, yeah. you're probably gonna see something like that yeah. so yeah so okay so uh, that that's the that's the rush defense now the the pass defense the pass defense is really weird where or interesting uh, like if you just look at it in the aggregate their pass defense looks looks pretty good actually it's above water in terms of efficiency like about 54 percent um limiting opponents to uh you know about average you know uh, 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 uh yards per play uh, uh or, or at below average i'm sorry about 6.4 uh yards per pass attempt uh only about 14 percent uh gain explosive yardage which is uh, you know a little bit better than average you know which is like considering this isn't a super talented team like yeah that's pretty good um i identify the the, the key units are their edges i've always loved their their edges ever since jake dickert got there i really think their edges are are, are quite good or at least like punching way above their weight class um it, I, I dig their edges um and then also i think they've the you know their cornerbacks are are, are doing a not bad job um uh shaft smith wade and um and, and uh the 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 new kid um I lampkins lampkin thank you um uh yeah not bad not that they never get beat they do um but like honestly you know that they're 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 not the soft spot in the defense like um it, which was funny because for the first you know three fbs games um colorado state wisconsin even though wisconsin i think was one of the better quarterbacks that they played i'll talk about that in a second um in oregon state all three of those cornerback quarterbacks like they thought that the vulnerability that Oregon State had was their or excuse me Washington State had was their their corners and so like almost all of their passing attempts were against the corners which is really weird because it was like the corners aren't the vulnerability and so uh, that was strange um and so simply because like that's where all the pass attempts were and my articles are empirically based you know like so when I'm showing you here's where successful or, you know, here's where past defense failures were, I've got to show you clips of, uh, you know, clips from, you know, Wisconsin and Oregon State hitting big passes against those cornerbacks because those were the plays that were successful for those teams against these this pass defense. But like, I don't actually really think that's the smartest way to attack them. The smartest way to attack wazoo was what ucla eventually discovered and then arizona picked up and ran with which is how bad their linebackers are in underneath coverage because i mean it's, it's just atrocious first of all they're just not going to be there like they just don't understand what their assignments are like they're just gone they're just not there so you can hit those passes with like near 100 percent you know, like that dude's going to be open. He's going to be standing there. Nobody's going to harass him. And then there's still not going to be anybody near him. So he's going to turn and run up field or downfield for like another 15 yards before the safety comes and finds him, you know? So it's like, yeah, you can reliably hit a pass for like five yards and then gain 15 more yards after the pass, like a hundred percent of the time. And so like Arizona was just like, 
la 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 like over and over and over. i mean it was just comical you know what they were doing to him and it's like you don't even bother throwing against the corners you know um or you know or you can do a couple other like clever plays you know as they say the, their scheme because they never switch out of how they how they play it or their structure like you can arrange it so that you can put a linebacker on a, a slot back and uh and, and torch them in that way so and then the other factor is what's really weird here's the thing about my charting system usually i don't have to consider this because you know i get plenty of data and it all sort of evens out and and usually it's the case that like how well you perform is mostly like 95% about how well you perform and your opponent is not super relevant to it. Like your opponent moves the needle a little bit, but it only by like a couple of percentage points. Um, and so like, it, you know, it's like, you know, if you're a 55% team, that means that, you know, you're a 55% team because you're a 55% team. And against your, you know, best opponent, you perform at like a 53% rate. And against your worst opponent, you perform at a 58% rate. You know, uh, like it's usually, you know, that's the sway of the needle. And, you know, so so who cares? I don't I don't bother talking about performance against different teams because like the needle sways not that much. It's really about how you perform. Well, not Wazoo, not this year, um, and not in their past defense, because it's wild swings. Like, here, I'll, I'm just looking at the numbers. I'll read them to you. Past defense numbers against Colorado State, 65%. Oregon State, 70%. UCLA, 65%. Against Wisconsin, 45%. Against Arizona, 33%. Like, those are some crazy flipping swings, man. Here, ju just to repeat... Uh, Oregon State, 70%. Arizona, 33%. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, a, a, like, they did twice as well, more than twice as well against DJ Uyengalele as they did against Noah Fafita. Like, that's bonkers. And not a t small sample either. It's, it's 20 passes for Uyengalele. It's 33 passes for Fafita. Um, you know, outside of garbage time for both of those two, like, like <laughs> well, bar what? garbage time started in the second half. So. <laughs> it's, it's just like, I mean, get, like, come on, man. Like the needle doesn't swing like that. So I really think that it's just like quarterback quality because like, look against Colorado state, they faced clay Millen, uh, brother of Cade, actually, um, Former clay, Millen, clay Millen got pulled in that game um uh and got replaced by uh, uh the dude who played colorado and has had the starting job for the rest of the year um he clay millen hasn't played a snap for the rest of the season um uh, like that's how bad he was um uh, uh oregon state G dj Uyenglele, like I, I hope oregon fans didn't need a whole lot of convincing that that guy is like not the greatest quarterback in the world um and uh in ucla dante moore like i mean he just played like again i don't think oregon fans need a whole lot of convincing that that dude's having problems um at ucla and chip kelly doesn't know how to use them um uh uh yeah and um and, and uh yeah so yeah on, on the flip side wisconsin's tanner mordecai who like I don't think is the greatest quarterback in the world. Like, but he's like his career like one hundred and fifty NCAA passer rating. Um, you know, 
uh, he's competent. Uh, you know, uh, you know, he he's above water against Wazoo. Noah Fafita, you know, who's he 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 he's decent, somewhere between decent and good. But on the other hand, he's like that dude's not a Davy O'Brien candidate. You know, like um, you know, he he, he lit him up. You know, and so it's really like. I really just think that 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 a lot of Wazoo's past defense grades, you know, it comes down to them playing like disproportionately high share of just bad, bad, either either bad quarterbacks in the case of Clay Millen or like quarterbacks who are just bad fits for their systems. And, you know, Wazoo just sort of preyed on them. And then when they played like a quarterback who like, you know, you know, was fitting well and that they knew how to sort of exploit Wazoo's issues. Like they sort of like destroyed. Well, Arizona also has a devastatingly good receiver core compared to Colorado state. Yeah. But you know, what's, you know what the thing is, is that that's not what they were attacking, um, uh, uh, Wazoo with. It was all like passes to the running back. Cause it was all like underneath throws. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you are right, though. Oregon State's um uh receiver core it was like comical. It was like Wazoo's uh, uh uh defensive backs were like towering over Oregon State's little Munchkin brigade of receivers. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, I gotta like even though I don't love writing this because it's sort of like the kind of thing that a lot of um people who try to like make excuses uh tend to write i really think it's true in this case like i really feel like wazoo's numbers are a bit of an illusion here and that um i think they're probably going to finish the year a lot closer to be to looking like a mediocre or maybe even below water past defense unit um than than they look right now um so um, i mean we'll see like i said i actually do think they have some pretty good edges and I actually do think that their cornerbacks, you know, ain't bad. Um, on the other hand, they like it's also very clear from film that they have some vulnerabilities. And Oregon watches tape, and they design, you know, strategies. Okay, so now the offense. Oh boy, if you thought I was talking for a long time about the confusing and you know, uh, uh, topsy turvy roller coaster of their past defense, uh, um. Oh, wait, I can get another one out of the way. Uh, their rushing de- offense is terrible. Uh, this is another one that persists across, you know, every game uh, except for one, which is Oregon State, which, again, I think Oregon State is an illusion that they were uh, Wazoo tore up Oregon State's rush defense, which is why uh, one of the many reasons I think that Oregon State is not actually a good defense at all. And they're get they're fooling people. Um, but anyway, against the other teams, including even Colorado State, terrible ass Colorado State. Um, they couldn't run the ball. Uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, they're, they're really bad um, at running the ball. The offensive line can't run block at all. The running backs are, mm, uh, yeah, they're, they're yeah, they, they can't run. They don't want to run. Uh, there's also like a, a, an 
statistical discussion about what the fact that they can't run means for their offense because they can't function when they get behind the sticks. Like when, when they get off schedule, they're really in trouble. And so they can't run on first down because that'll put them behind the sticks. And so they're very super predictable on first down. And so it's changed their first round run rate um, in the last two games. And so that forms this virtuous circle, um, which is really bad for them like they're going to spiral because of it okay that's the rush stuff now let's talk about the past stuff okay here's i after talking with jamie vinnick our new friend from coogfan.com um for like an hour on their on the podcast um which uh, we're coming close to repeating the whole thing on this podcast uh um the conclusion that we came to is it's not one thing. It's not like there's one bad, bad thing because you have to explain why was this passing offense look like gangbusters and then go to look like garbage. You got to, that's hard to explain, right? Mm-hmm. So first issue is it didn't exactly go from gangbusters to garbage because it was great against Colorado state and then mediocre against Wisconsin, then great again against Oregon State, and then garbage against UCLA, and then garbage against Arizona. So it's not quite like this straight linear, you know, downhill. It's, you know, uh, uh, hey, when you played a terrible defense, hint, Oregon State is a terrible defense. Um, uh, you know, they, they lit them up. But it's still more complicated than that. Uh, it's, there's... There's, there's, I think there's four factors and, and the issue is that none of them are just like, okay, it's this and nothing else. And that factor is like pure trash, but like no one knew they were pure trash at the beginning of the year. But then as soon as they found it, oh boy, they blew it up. No, I I would, that'd make my job easy if that were true, but I don't think that's true. Instead, it's four factors and they're each like half problems. And so like, if ever it's the case that only like that thing happens in isolation, Wazoo can survive it. But if all or even just some of the half problems are showing up, then it's like they all compound upon each other. And it's like adding vinegar to baking soda. You, you get your science fair volcano of awfulness. Um, but it, like, if you just have vinegar, you have tasty pickles. Um, uh, that was an awesome metaphor. Anyway. Um, so here are the four half problems. Uh, half problem. Number one, uh, Cameron Ward, their quarterback last year has an uh, absolute his like native or would have been trained into him by his previous coach, Eric Morris, who was his head coach at Incarnate Ward, Incarnate Word uh, in 2020 and in 2021. And then his OC slash QB coach at Wazoo in 2022. So three years in college. Kim Ward has a garbage throwing motion. And Eric Moore <laughs> let yeah. him have a garbage throwing motion. It was sort of worked for the air raid for like their like super quick passy thing. Um, um, it, you got to read my article and look at the clips, but and you'll see it. But it's sort of like it's this very quick release with like open hips, flat feet, like it's bad. But if all you need to do is like zip a little stop route, like you can get away with it. But you're never going to be able to throw downfield with accuracy with that throwing motion. And so they just didn't have any downfield passing. Well, 
So then there's all these reports over the offseason. It's like, well, he's been working with an actual real quarterbacks coach to fix because Eric Morris goes off to North Texas. They get a new offensive coordinator, Ben Arbuckle. Ben Arbuckle, the new, you know, uh, uh, OC slash quarterbacks coach is like, no, we're going to fix this. This is intolerable. We're, we're going to fix your throwing motions so that we can actually have a deep ball. And so I'm sort of like rolling my eyes at that because like, oh, I've heard that one before. And so it was Jamie on the podcast. He was also skeptical of it. But then lo and behold, Oh my God, he actually did it. Like, oh my God, he actually did it. And I'm watching this guy in the first couple of games and he actually did it. His throwing motion looks real. Like he's doing all the things you're supposed to do. He points his hip. He loads his power onto his front foot. He, he like all of it, like all, I mean, it's almost like clinic tape, how good his throwing motion is. And he's accurate. I mean, the throws, the deep throws that he's making against uh, in, in those in those games, you know, he throws there. There's some clips in my article of him, uh, uh, one uh, against Wisconsin, one against Oregon State. I mean, beautiful. They're beautiful throws. Um, just perfect. Drops a dime right exactly where they're supposed to be. They've cooked the DB. I mean, gorgeous. Just make you cry. Gorgeous. But here's the thing. I don't really think that there, this is my theory. I mean, I can't prove this or anything, but I think it fits the data pretty well. And Jamie, when we talked to him on the podcast, he was like, I think you nailed it, man. Um, I think he hasn't like internalized it, you know, like it's not like he doesn't have like 10,000 hours worth of practice where it's like part of his bones. Now, I think what's still part of his bones is the bad old throwing motion. And, and I think in order to do the good throwing motion, he's got to think about it. He's got to, it's like, he's got to be deliberate about it. And the problem is if there's any sort of like pocket trouble that he like reverts to like bad cam. Mm -hmm. It's, it's funny. Cause I, I, you know, I'm looking at these clips and it's, it's like you said, if he's under pressure, he doesn't have that time to set and think. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's night and day. It's night and day. Like his, he's blocking his throwing arm with his off yeah. arm. I don't know I what know. he's doing. I've yeah. seen white guys try and salsa dance with more movement in their hips. <laughs> it's it's like, crazy. <laughs> so like, so that's it's. it's but you can see how it's like it's a half problem, right? Yeah. You know, it's like when he's on, he's really on, but when he's off, oh boy. Yeah. And it affects like, and so there's a later clip in, in, in that same compilation that it's like the throw is there, but because there's even a little bit of pocket pressure. I think he doesn't believe that he has the time to like set up and properly throw. I mean, he does, but he doesn't think he does. And so he doesn't do it. So he just bails out. And like if Eric Morris had trained him properly, he would have made that throw. But instead, yeah. Eric Morris like wasted his three years with him. It's, it really sucks. I mean, it really sucks. You know, that actually like genuinely makes me upset because like that's what you're being paid money to do is to is to bring out the best in your student as a young person and uh, and to to squander that, to, to take that money and to, to fail in in your charge. I mean, it genuinely angers me. Um, OK, um, so here's my this might just be me looking at it, but I challenge you to go back and look at some of those clips as well and see if I'm wrong. Does he pump his, his feet? Yeah. Like on the, on the good throws, he, he like pumps his feet into a very specific posture before he lets it go. Yeah. It's cause he's thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he has to rehearse it. Cause it's not, he's, it's like, you know, it's like if he said, 
said ballroom dancing is i was sort of thinking about that too it's like when somebody's not used to ballroom dancing and they're still reciting the steps in their head one two cha 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 one two cha 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 it's like i i can see him like mentally going through this is what i'm supposed to do right as opposed to it being like a natural thing that's become part of his bones you know maybe if he gets ten thousand more hours with it it will um you know eric morris had ten thousand hours with him and he didn't do it so you know shame on him um anyway Number one, I still got three to go. Um, yeah. uh, the offensive line, I, I don't need to belabor this. I actually don't think it's the worst offensive line in the world. They're actually fairly experienced. It's mostly the same offensive line for last year. Um, but like, oh man, UCLA is going through them like a hot knife through butter. Um, and you can, and also sort of because of the run issue, you can, you get the sort of synergy in that, like, you don't need a heavy box to stop the run and you don't need, you know, more than three pass rushers to get through, which means you can drop eight into coverage. And that means came word can't find anywhere to throw. Right. So like, you can see how this goes from this would, this is maybe a manageable problem if defenses don't know. It's a problem too. This is suddenly totally unmanageable. Um, next, Ben Arbuckle. He's a young offensive coordinator. Two years ago, he was a quality control coach for, of all people, Zach Kitley at Western Kentucky, the offensive coordinator at Texas Tech that Oregon just played. I interesting. And yeah. you know who, who he was working with when he was a QC coach in 2021 at Western Kentucky? Carlos Lachlan. Oregon's running backs coach like I've I've done film study on that dude uh, like as a QC coach anyway um I think it's, what was apparent when I was watching the UCLA film is that like like when when UCLA's like pass rush really was was really just completely shutting down um Wazoo's offense is that he started turtling um, like he started getting extremely conservative in terms of play calling. It was just a ton of screen passes, a ton of like really unproductive uh, throws. And like this is already a very short and screen pass dominated, you know, playbook because that's sort of what the air raid is. A lot of people think the air raid is like nothing but bombs. I don't know where that perception comes from. Actually, I sort of have an idea, but I don't want to talk about it. Um, the uh, uh, And so it takes what is already intrinsically a sort of like conservative short passing offense and he got like even more conservative and even more short and so that was no good um and, and then but then here's the like the weird thing and the thing that actually makes me kind of nervous because this is the thing he could just decide to stop doing was i think he let ucla beat him twice because the next week against arizona he continued the same dumb conservative game plan even though arizona doesn't have that pass rush like he was playing, he was playing like scared. He was playing like he was scarred by the UCLA game against a team that didn't have that ability to do that to him. Not that that was a good idea to do, even if they did, but like he just kept doing it. So it was, it was like watching like an abused, ah, this, that's not a good victim. It was just like that one. Yeah. Sorry about that. Forget that. Anyway, it was like, he just let him beat him twice, you know, but like, I, I worry. So does that mean he's going to let, you know, let him beat him a third time when Oregon plays him? Or is he going to get his confidence back? Cause that was the thing about watching him in the first couple of games. Like it was a very confident game plan. He was dropping bombs on, on folks uh, in, in the first couple of games. That's why everybody was like wazoo to the playoffs. Cause it was so confident. 
So like, is he going to get his groove back? Oh, uh, I don't know. But like, but that's another one where you can see how it's a compounding issue. You get conservative, you know, you, you get behind, you, you know, you, you get more conservative, you get further behind. So, yeah. okay. Well, Number there's, four. there's also, sorry. I'll let right. you no, no, you go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, there's also looking at the teams that Washington state has played thus far. I want to, I believe that Oregon is the most talented roster they have faced. Yeah. And yeah. Oregon is probably the, not just the most talented roster, the best team they have yeah. faced, you know, look at our rankings in every I mean, category. That's true of every opponent that Oregon is going to play. So yeah. For, well, for the rest of the rest of the year, with the exception, maybe of USC. Um, no, but, I, I run up the roster numbers. Oregon has a more talented roster than okay. USC. But so, and Oregon is more talented that, than Notre Dame. Otherwise, they, they have the same schedule, basically. So, yeah. Or, Oregon so, is the most team on, is the, Oregon is the most talented team on the field in every game that they play. Oregon is the most talented opponent of all of the uh, opponents that Oregon has. Yes. So, all of the, th- you know, you talk about the things that Washington State could fix and that could, could make them dangerous. Um, I, I think before they become really dangerous is Oregon has to let the Washington game beat them twice. Well, that is uh, definitely a possibility. I should have gone first. Uh, the fourth thing is uh, the, the is uh, turnovers. It's bonkers. Um, the interceptions are about normal for an air raid team. Um, although a couple of them have come on like weird trick plays, which like, uh, don't do that. Like, uh, but the fumbles is they are putting the ball on the deck constantly. Um, their fumble, like recovery luck is slightly worse than average. Like they, they put the ball on the deck 11 times. They've recovered it only four times, which, you know, you would expect with average fumble recovery luck for it to be like five or six. So, so four is like a little worse than average, but it's not like outrageous or anything. The problem is the 11. 11 means they're putting the ball in the deck 1.83 times per game, which is fourth worst in the power five. And it's, and I mean, it's not a statistical, it's not just like, oh, it's an isolated incident, an isolated incident, isolated incident, and they just keep happening for like, <laughs> crazy reasons you know and i i made sure to ask jamie that you know like i wanted to verify with him because he's you know watched all of them you know as well to be like i you know i don't want to make a big deal of this if it's just a bunch of isolated incidents that don't mean anything it's like nope it absolutely is a ball security issue if i watched all of them i go back on the tape you know i watched them closely there it's absolutely and it's across the team it's not just one dude it's across the team they are not carrying the ball tightly they are letting people poke it out and in the prime offender is cam ward because when he starts scrambling he holds the ball super loose and multiple times he's had the ball poked out of his hand or just pop out of his hand and uh it's bad like it's really bad ball security they put the ball in the deck close on to twice a game and even if they just had average fumble luck that means they're giving it away once a game um and that's just from fumbling. They're also throwing interceptions because they're an air raid team. You know, that's what happens when you throw the ball, you know, like whatever it is, you know, 40 times a game, you know, you're going to throw a pick like and, and but then you also see how like, OK, you can survive giving the ball uh, up, you know, maybe once or twice if you're doing well. But 
when these other factors are operational, like your offensive line is breaking down. So now your quarterback is scrambling a lot and your quarterback has ball security issues. Well, now you're fumbling like three times a game, right? Or you could see how you could survive, you know, uh, being a conservative team. If you could run the ball really well, well, you don't run the ball really well. So being conservative is a really bad idea, or you could see how you could survive having poor throwing mechanics. If you didn't need to throw the ball deep, but you do need to throw the ball deep because you have a conservatism problem. Like you see how, how like these are all like you could survive having any one of these problems or like any one of these half problems, because it wouldn't really be a problem if it were just happening by itself. But as soon as you have like two of these things, it's like real bad. And they're like, and the reason why they get blown out by Arizona is they have all four of these things happening. And the reason why they get like sort of crushed by UCLA, like they should have just gotten crushed by UCLA. And the only reason they didn't is because Dante Moore is not a good fit for that offense. Um, But like the reason is because what's been happening in these last couple of games is that like all four of their half problems are happening simultaneously and like opponents know it and are taking advantage of it. And so they're all compounding and overlapping and overlaying. And that's just like, it's murdering them just like, just, and they're just like not a strong enough team to survive it because like where they are actually just super structurally weak, like their rush offense and the rush defense means that they don't have the wherewithal you know, because they're an incomplete team for those reasons, plus my suspicion that they're also not really a good pass defense, um, despite some advantages that they have at the edges and the corners. Cor- corners. Um, so, like, despite the fact, to recapitulate, despite the fact they have some advantages, like edges, corners, the potential for them to be able to hit the deep ball, I think they have some, you know, okay wide receivers, Um uh, 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 yeah. And, and so therefore like the, you know, if you don't know that this team has a bunch of vulnerabilities and how to beat them, like, yeah, they can, they can wreck your, they can wreck your face. And like the Oregon state game is proof of that. Um, but like, if you know a thing about a thing, you'll wreck their face, which is what Arizona did to them. So I don't know. If I'm making predictions about this game, which I'm generally not in the business of doing, I feel like the tape is out on Wazoo and Oregon watches tape. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I uh, My prediction is, uh, at the, I'll give it to you at the end of the first quarter because mm-hmm. it's going to depend which version of each team shows up. And... If I mean, you're team, probably right. You know, Oregon, if Oregon's in the doldrums about this loss to, to Washington, there's enough that Wazoo has going for them that they could make them pay. I, I don't really think that's this team, though. I don't no. really think that's the staff. What Having watched this team overcome what was going on at Texas Tech, um, yeah, I, I'm not worried about them, you know, but at, at the end of the first quarter, we will have either seen uh, violence towards Washington State on the behalf of Oregon, both offensively and defensively, or we will have seen the first glimpses of Oregon waking up from what the slumber of the first 12 to 13 minutes. Mm. So. All right. I think we'll wrap it up there. Uh, uh, we've gone over 
our usual time since I was fascinated by the puzzle of Wazoo. This game may turn into a laugher and it may seem ridiculous that I spent this much time talking about them, but I genuinely was fascinated um, by just the puzzle. You know, the puzzle of it was fascinating. Um, if nothing else, thanks for indulging me. Um, the uh, uh, I, I, You got any parting words of wisdom for us, Kevin? Um, you know, go out and watch some sports other than football. The soccer team would love to see you there. You know, uh, if you can manage to, uh, a trip up to Tacoma, go watch some, some amazing cross country runners. I, I, I enjoyed my time running cross country in high school. What I learned from it is that, uh, uh lightning makes me run faster or, or hearing, you know, thunder strikes and so forth. I felt energized by it. Uh, uh, the, the rain cools you down. But it never rains on this podcast. <laughs>